Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. This is the Eternal MMA 75 Breakdown. It was on May 6th in the Gold Coast, the Southport Sharks. Joining me on the show is Eternal MMA lead commentator, Tanira Nathan. Now, I've known Tanira for five years now. He was in the uh, the Queensland side of Eternal while I was in the Western Australian side of Eternal. Uh, and he's uh, since bumped me out and now I'm with you guys. Uh, but look, he, he knows everything Eternal. Uh, we chat about the fights coming up. Of course, I'm not connected to Eternal anymore at all. So I've got wide range and we uh, uh, of course try and break down and find the best fights for all the guys uh, across the entire country. Uh, but I, I, I can't get over the fact that we talk about uh, the Eternal card and the hype coming in wasn't the best for that, that card. Uh, but, man, it, it really did surpass expectations. It was a great card. If you haven't seen it, uh, get UFC on Fight Pass. Have a little watch. Uh, we talk uh, the Odin Muscat fight. Uh, there was, let me get his name. Uh, I believe it was Brody Miochi uh, and, uh, and and Dom Acton uh, fight. Dom Aston, Dom Aston fight. Apologies, my sir. Uh, and of course, we dive into the uh, the main card, which is of course Neam Stevens, Kobe Porter, uh, Harry Webb. Uh, he took on Oliver Schmidt. Uh, then we've got Peter Templer, Lachlan Deadshot, Stitt, uh, Anthony Drillich taking on uh, Jamie Renov, and of course the main event, Diego Alpentera Negra Pereira taking on Jesse Funky Cole Medina. Uh, if you're listening to this. Head on over to YouTube, check out all the interviews. I've got the pre-fight and post-fight. Um, and uh, if you're on YouTube, head on over to the podcast, download it, listen to it in the car. We've got about an hour left of just two dudes who love fights talking about fights. This is the Eternal MMA 75 Breakdown, and it's right now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. A very special guest, lead commentator of Eternal MMA, Tanira Nathan. Mate, welcome. Thank you very much, Mitchell Tinley. Good to be with you. I oh, know it's only taken us like half a decade uh, to get together, but finally, correct. Five years, I think I've been with Eternal, and uh, five years, obviously, you've you've been with the with the promotion as well. Let's not forget that. I mean, and uh, <laughs> but no, thank you so much for having me on the show. Like you said, it's only taken us half a decade, but we're here. Well, the good thing now is obviously uh, I'm well in, entrenched in, in Eternal or or I was and I'm not anymore so I could branch out a little bit and and talk about other promotions, which I'm I'm loving because I feel like it does give more weight when Eternal does well and Eternal 75 on the weekend, uh, May 6th on the Gold Coast Southport Sharks. Look, and I said it, the card did did not have a lot of name value going in. Obviously, there was a few guys, Lachlan Deadshot, Stitt, that people were a bit high on. But the Diego Medina fight, it, it just wasn't that blockbuster that we were uh, that we've become accustomed to. But the fights on the night, what were your thoughts? Overall, from start to finish, I thought, and this is just my opinion, top three best cards I've ever witnessed. Wow. And and that's that's a big call. And to think that I've been, that's across all combat sports, to think that I've been doing boxing, um, done a bit of kickboxing, as well as been with Eternal since 2018, most definitely top three overall best cards I've done. To be honest with you, I couldn't tell you what one and two are, but top three for sure. And I think that from 
the beginning of the prelims to the end of the prelims. We started the main card uh, to Ben Vickers' dissatisfaction a bit slowly, but we'll get to that later, I'm sure. Um, and as the as the main card picked up, we finished off with Diego and Jesse. I thought overall the card was fantastic. And I think that we even spoke about that on the night, um, that it was a great success um, last Saturday. So, yeah, in my opinion, I thought it was incredible. Now, just uh, got to, I've got to be critical on the on the uh, matchmaking of of the card. Like it, the reason why I say it is because obviously all the eternal cards have been so packed the last month, uh, last couple of months, and then obviously coming up we've got Van Heerden, Costa. It's a huge card as well. Donnelly, Quillen. What was with this card? I don't want to sound disrespectful because I'm not meaning it to be that. Obviously, a, a amazing fighters on there. But it just it didn't have that that Hollywood mm. sort of promotion that that Eternal normally does with guys. What was there any news behind that? Or look, in my own opinion, I think that we're we've been spoiled. We're so used to having uh, card after card where there's either a title fight uh, as the main event, or in some cases you'll have two or even three title fights on the card. Um, we've been so blessed that Eternal is continually pumping out big cards month after month after month. And I think that if you look at back in Perth, and you were obviously at the one, um, Eternal 73 in Perth to as the precursor to the UFC, um, that did have that big Hollywood feel. One, because the UFC was in town, but two, the, the, the card itself was fantastic as well. There was no title on the line um, between Diego and Jesse, but that fight in itself, uh, and I think Ben spoke about this on the night, has huge ramifications for Diego in particular because he got the win. I think that if you take the title away from it, people kind of look at it and go, well, if there's not a belt on the line, then maybe I'll tune in, maybe I won't. Us hardcores always will. The casuals might not. On paper, I totally agree. It didn't have the same, I guess, um, at, at first glance, it didn't have that 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 big build behind it. But if you knew the fighters that were on the card and you knew the matchups, that were happening both on the prelims and the main card. To me, this was just as big as any other card. So I think the reason it may not have felt that way is because there there probably wasn't any championship up for grabs. And people might have looked at that and thought, well, the stakes aren't as high. If I have time to tune in, maybe I will, maybe I won't, as opposed to saying, no, I need to be there for this one. But us hard calls, man, I, I think I felt the same thing. I thought, you know, between Diego and Jesse, Lachlan and Peter, um, I thought was 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 my feature bout of the main card, and I I wouldn't have wanted to miss that one for the world. But I can understand why that I guess prowess wasn't there um, at face value when you look at the card overall. Yeah, and you do never know. I mean, I, I've seen I've seen the back end with 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 Cam and 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 Ben before. Like they don't tell you the fights they nearly had. Like, exactly. <laughs> all the ones. Exactly. Fell, half the time, the ones that fall through before they get to the social post, where where you know it's on. So, uh, but once again, I don't want to take anything away from the card because the card was incredible, and I think those cards are necessary uh, to sort of you, know, you go in with lower expectations and guys shine through. And and speaking of that, what fight really stood out for you? Man, we we started the night off really well with uh Lex Roger and Yusuke Sato in the in the prelims fight in the prelim on the prelim card um Yusuke walked away with a split decision and like you said on paper because it's the first bout of the night you, you, you're just getting you're just getting warmed up those guys come in there and they they really put it all on the line now I trained with Lex at um at our local gym we do a bit of sparring he had a really tough weight cut 
the night before. And for him to go out there and put it all on the line and to literally have to be carried out of the cage by his team, even though he lost, I don't think it was a loss. I think that there were no losers in that fight. Yusuke walked away with the win, but there certainly weren't any losers in that fight. That, for me, to start the card was pretty special. And then you look at the, uh, the fights after that, Brendan Riley, Kelly Tate, um, Brody Maiochi, Dominic Aston, and then Odin Musket, his performance on the night, I think for me um, was, was just incredible. But if you had to ask me which fight really, um, really got, uh, got, got, my, um, got my excitement going, I would have to say that opening card because it just wasn't expected. And I think more to your point, when you're not expecting it, it surprises you even more. So, um, you know, you, you know from commentating yourself, we usually use the prelims as a as a little bit of the yeah. as a little bit of a warm up. So when we get to the main card, you know we're ready to go. Um, it was the total opposite on Saturday night. I really enjoyed the opening card between um, the opening fight rather between Lex and Yusuke. It was fantastic. I also want to like I, I really want to uh, commend you as well for carrying Ben Vickers through commentary. <laughs> uh, no, it was uh, it was great. I love I love Ben Vickers. I love that he's I love that he's the boss and he's he still like that was fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like Ben jeez oh, hey, I'm not going to tell him what to do I'll tell you <laughs> look he was uh, he was fired up uh, in, in the opening uh, fight of, of the main card of the UFC on Fight Pass uh, uh, section of, of the card um, he was not happy with, with Anthony Drillich's performance at all was he no no and, and you could see that and even um, I won't repeat too much what he said off camera but he just knows how good Anthony is. And um, I even spoke to him briefly in, in between the break. And he's just like, man, Ant, Ant is, is, is so much better than what you saw. And not to take anything away from Jamie Renoff, but, um, and, and, this, and this is just my opinion, but Anthony, the Anthony Drillich that we know is, is, is two, three, four levels above what you saw on Saturday night. And I think that's why you saw quite an animated, Ben Vickers in between rounds, giving Anthony everything he had. He's just like, look, <laughs> you can put this guy away. You can do it. But luckily, um, it went to, I think it was a split decision yeah. over, over Jamie Runoff. So the, 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 out, the outcome didn't change from what was expected. But um, I think to Ben's point, he knows how good Anthony is. And that's what I think was, um, I don't want to say disappointing, but there's, there's definitely room to work on there. More to that. He even said that Anthony faced a lot of challenges coming to this fight. So, you know, as, as well as I do, fighters, they never really disclose the challenges or trials they've had just to get to the cage, let alone fight. Um, whether there was uh, injury there, whether he was carrying, um, you know, some, some sort of or niggle or if he was sick leading up to the bout, I don't know. Um, let alone trying to live your, your own personal life outside of the cage. I don't know what it was. Um, maybe we'll find out. But to me personally, I... I, I I, I think the outcome was was what was expected. Yeah, and Anthony Drillich, he he doesn't normally get as much hype, but yeah, he's he's been around. I've known him for many many years, and still the the knockout of Michael Barber is, is one of the crispest, scariest <laughs> knockouts uh, going around. Uh, and he even went to like he he went to a decision with Michael Manu. Like he he's he's really right up there, which is why I wanted to ask you as well, like. What's his What's his next fight? Because this is where this is where it's going to get tricky. Yes. Okay. Because if he picks up perhaps another victory, mm. Rod Costa is the bantamweight champ. They are currently 
teammates. Yes. Um, now, what are we? What do you reckon they're going to end up doing there? Well, I, I think depending on the outcome between Justin and Rod uh, next month in Perth, uh, you know, Rod, Rod's career tra- trajectory is is wide open. You know, should he go in there and beat Justin, then essentially the world's his oyster. Whether he decides to vacate the bantamweight title and move up to featherweight and you know go on a tear up there or who knows, um, especially with Jack Dell in his camp, he could go straight to the UFC. I, I'm not too sure what, what happens with with Rod in relation to Anthony, but I think if Anthony continues to fight at bantamweight, let's be honest, if Rod is successful, we don't see Rod hanging around for too much longer. I, I, I think it's, it's, it's common knowledge that Rod's goal is to get to the UFC. I don't, I don't think that's far off. Whether he wins or loses to Justin, I think he has the skills to get there. As far as Anthony, there's still a bit of competition um, at Bantamweight. I mean, you look at guys he hasn't fought, guys like Colby Thickness, Cody Haddon. Um, there's a lot of competition in that division for Anthony to, to step up and face. So I think if he starts having a go at, uh, you know, those, those top five, top tier guys, um, that'll really uh, determine where he's at in his career. You know a fight that I want to see uh, Drillich take on, and now it's a, it's a dirty word for you, so I, I'll edit you out of this podcast. But the uh, the hex bantamweight champion, uh, Sean Gauchi. <laughs> Sean Gauchi would be a great matchup. <laughs> a great matchup. <laughs> but I, I think, like you said, like that, that's a that, that's another fight that I'm sure Anthony would um would would definitely consider because uh, he's four five and one now. Five and one. Five and one. Yeah, on a on, a, on a, I think a, a four fight win streak. Yeah. So. When you start when you start notching up wins like that, you've got no choice to 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 step up and fight those top guys. And look, if he, if he can go all the way and get to say seven, eight, and one with, with with an eternal championship under his belt, because he's let's face it, he's only ever going to fight on eternal. Um, you know, we we could be looking at another star in the making. It is it is the tricky thing, and and uh, I'm glad you brought that up because especially. When you when you train out of scrappy MMA under Ben Vickers, you get you, you get fights, you get to opportunities at Eternal, and that's great. But it is a bit of a negative as well because you're not going to get that hex call up. I mean, I look, I haven't talked to Ben about mm-hmm. it. I, I'm sure, I'm sure Ben as a as a as a coach is open to. Like I'm, I'm sure if it's the right fight, whatever it is, I'm probably even speaking out of turn here. But like I'm sure that they would entertain that. They're not going to hold them to Eternal just. Like Ben is a coach first. Mm. Well, the, the, here's the thing: Ben is a coach first. He's also he's also the director of Eternal. So there, <laughs> there, there is there is absolutely I don't want to say there's absolutely no way that um, that he would stop his fighters from doing what they want. But my opinion is 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 why would you want to go anywhere else? I think if Anthony is is becoming a star in his own right on Eternal, especially. Um, in, in, in Perth as well, there, there's no reason he'd want to go to any other promotion. Now, we've seen guys from Scrappy MMA fight on different promotions before, but the, the draw that Eternal has um, from the matchup that you're going to get to the production to, obviously, if, if you can beat those top guys on Australia's Premier Mixed Martial Arts organisation, then there's really no downside to that. And if you go out there and win, well, all eyes are on you. So I only see the upside from fighting on Eternal. Guys can do what they want. You know, we've seen guys fight on Eternal and then go and fight on Hex or fight on Eternal and then go and fight on XFC. That, that's that's fine. And I know I might sound like a bit of an Eternal employee here, but I, I think you'd agree with me in saying that um, from where we've come, and me and you included, from where the production 
has come and where the, where the promotion has come, you know, six or seven years ago to today, I, I, don't, I don't see why you'd want to fight anywhere else. But, um, you know, that may be a topic for discussion at another time. But in Anthony's case, there, there's, there's no way that, that he'd want to fight anywhere else other than Eternal. And if Ben wants him to fight a Sean Gauchy or a, or, or a guy that's well-known on, on another promotion, then I'm sure they can come to the table and do business to have the fight on Eternal as, as, a, as a main event. But, uh, but Hex has Michael Chavello. And... <laughs> well, there... <laughs> bow down to the king. <laughs> no, I and that, that's, it. that's exactly what I'm saying. You got me there. You got me there. No, I don't want to say it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, Eternal does care about their commentary because that's why they got rid of me. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Like I, I really, I do, I, I do hold eternally in, in in such high regard, and mm. I do think they're the best. As much as Hex is sort of making a, a resurgence, I, I still do think a, a mm. Eternal is is the best. Um, in, in but I just want to see Drillich and and that get get the best out of them. And I guess I'm just mm. selfish in terms of wanting certain fights. Um, and Definitely. look, it, and you know, why would he fight anywhere else? He might have to if, if Rod Rod keeps the belt. But speaking mm. of guys that uh, are hard to match. Uh, we now move on to, and I've, I've quizzed this about being the hardest guy to match in, in, in all of Australian MMA, Lachlan Deadshot Stitt. He finally got his match up against Peter Templer. Yeah. Well, pound for pound, Deadshot head. I didn't get to say that on uh, Saturday night. <laughs> Look, when I was at the weigh-ins the day before, there was a quiet confidence. And I spoke to Luke Traher about this. Um, after the fight, there was a quiet confidence about Peter Templer, and you you look at Lachlan as Cam labelled him the the hardest guy to match up in the welterweight division. The guy's two and zero. He's beaten JJ Tahuia and Corey Lynch, and for whatever reason, you know, according to Cam and Ben, guys just don't want to fight him. And and I and I totally get it. I, I saw him backstage. He he's a big guy, and there's not many guys that. I guess at that level, we've seen with such lead in their hands since Jack Della. You know what I mean? And I, I totally get it. I mean, this is coming from a, a fan slash commentator's perspective, but you know, I, I wouldn't fight that guy. And I said this all along. You've got to give cre credit to Peter for stepping up to the plate, knowing that no one wants to fight him for whatever reason, whether it's because he's got massive knockout power, because he's a big, strong, scary man with tattoos. Yeah, I get it. But there was a quiet confidence about Peter Templer at the weigh-ins. And whether that comes from his experience with Lachlan in the training room or he's just not intimidated by him. He went in there and he had the skills to weather the storm first because he knew it was going to come. He knew Lachlan was going to come out aggressive, try and land big shots, push him up against the cage. And uh, whether it's with punches or elbows or knees, finish him in the same fashion that he's finished his previous fights. Peter wasn't buying into it. And you could almost see that um, when Blake was introducing him, Peter, he was, it looked like he'd just woken up. He was as cool as a cucumber. And as soon as he got his moment, as soon as he managed to lock up that right arm, get the sweep and get straight into mount, how quickly he took the back of Lachlan Stitt and managed to just tuck that right arm under, put the left hand behind, tuck his head away, um, hide his head behind dead shots and get the tap right in front of his corner. You you, you can't, you cannot discredit the guy anymore. Everyone wrote him off. And I even listened to um, the clip that you, you had with, with Peter on your podcast this morning. No, no one thought he was going to win. Not even me. <laughs> like, there's, like, I'm biased. I know that. But I was just like, man, this bike's going to go in there and get destroyed. 
He proved all of us wrong. And you got to give credit where credit is due because of the guy he did it to, you know. And as he said, he's glad that there was a lot of hype around Lockwood. But at the same time, for him to go in here and do what he did, you've got to give that hype uh, to Templar. And I don't know if he wants to be called Pistol Pete, but <laughs> bang, bang, baby, he, he got the job done. And, and congratulations to him. Having said that, I'm still a massive fan of Deadshot. Um, I think that this is a positive in his career. It might seem like the worst thing ever, but you know, sometimes you win. And as the old saying goes, sometimes you learn. Uh, I feel sorry for the next guy that has to fight Deadshot because, yeah, there's no way he's losing that one. Not after that. No, not at all. Um, And with a guy like Lachlan Stitt, who, I mean, they're not even in, in, in the, I think he was ranked 24th on Tapology, but like mm. there's not, he's not up in that upper echelon where you start sort of putting him with guys. But is there anyone you'd like to see Lachlan Stitt uh, bounce back and fight? Yep. Plenty of them. I mean, I know, I know he's been calling out Jamie Spawn for a while. Uh, Jamie Spawn has a win over Peter Templer, so that would obviously add to uh, Lachlan's credibility if 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 they were able to make that matchup. Um, <clears throat> I mean, there, there's 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 plenty of guys. I mean, you got the Vakir brothers on a resurgence. James and John Vakir coming back. I think John's two and zero since his return to the cage after after a, a layoff after a few years. So there's there, there's options for Deadshot. Um, you know, he's, he's training at Triple X Fight Academy, but he's also doing plenty of work with with Rob Whitaker as well. So th- there's a lot that, that Lachlan could do. I mean, is there anyone else that comes to mind? They're the top three that I think that he'd probably be ready for. I mean, considering that no one wants to fight him, I mean, why not those three guys? Yeah, it's and look, I don't want to take away from uh, Peter Templar, and we will obviously... Uh highlight him him a little bit more but you you can't you kind of can't elevate peter templar without explaining just how highly touted lachlan stitt was yeah absolutely and that's that's what i think pete's going home you know back to mckay with is that i i've just i don't want to say this in a disrespectful way but i've, I've just derailed the hype train in a sense you know and you know i'm, I'm still aboard the dead shot train but Peter'd be going, well, I'm, I'm pretty much, I've pretty much got to be ready for it, anyone now. And when you look at how deep that division is, I mean, the champ, Joey Luciano, Caleb Rideout, uh, Alden Bates, Stewie Dare going head-to-head in Perth next month. The worldwide division is, is, is certainly um, starting to pick up once again since the departure of, of Jack Della to the UFC. So there, there's, there's a lot of work that Peter could get in. And more so to that, he's got the skills to compete with the best in the country. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I'm, if you can't tell, I'm, I'm still in shock that he actually got it done. <laughs> and Pete, if you're watching, you know, absolutely no disrespect. Congratulations to you. But you got to understand, and I'm sure he does, you got to understand just, just how much hype there was behind Lachlan Stitt, how much hype there still is behind Lachlan Stitt. So, yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see what's next for, uh, for Pete and also um, Deadshot as well. Yeah, also, you know how you've heard of, like, the commentator's curse? I feel like there's, like, a podcaster's curse now. <laughs> Everyone I talk to lost. <laughs> <laughs> Did they really? Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, me and you both. Well, you, you can have the podcaster's curse. Uh, I'll take the commentator's curse, and, and let's let's digress for a second. I am no longer allowed to touch the championship belts prior to the show now. Do you want to know Why? Why? So you saw the double champ video with the MCT with, with the two yeah. belts, right? Both Dave Martinez and Caleb Rideout lost that night, <laughs> but that's not all. 
prior to that, I took a photo with John Fraser's belt when he was oh. defending it against Matt Myers. Matt Myers, new champion on the now, on the night. That's not all. Aiden Aguilera, Dave Martinez. Me and Blake Richardson took a photo with the belt prior to Dave Martinez submitting Aiden Aguilera in the second round. I am officially banned from touching the belts prior to the main event. However, there's one exception. Spoke to Ben Vickers. I told this to Ben um, before the show started. And I said, you know, I'm not allowed to touch the belts anymore because anytime I've touched the belts, the champs have gone on and lost. And he goes, really? That's interesting. Right. When you're in Perth, can you take a video with Justin's belt posted all over his social media <laughs> and we'll see just how true that commentator's curse is. <laughs> that commentator's curse is. So you want to speak a podcaster's curse, commentator's curse. Hey, me and you both, baby. <laughs> We've got it. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Uh, and uh, I just want to like cover a few uh, more of the fights. We'll backpedal a little bit to um, Niam, Stephen and Kobe Porter. What were your thoughts on that? That was a real back and forth grappling grappling battle where both men were in trouble. Yeah, they were. They were at certain stages in this fight. Um, y- you thought that either guy was was close to finishing it. Um, what it came down to was I think, I think Niam, Niam got a little bit tired. And I could see that because he was very explosive in the early stages of the fight. Any time that he took Kobe down, Kobe defended very well in rounds one and two. But um, any time Kobe would get a sweep or he'd end up on top, Niam would almost bounce straight back to his feet like a cat. In round number three, you could see that the fight was wearing on Niam. And for whatever reason, um, fatigue just managed to get the better of it. And when Kobe swept him, took the back, got both hooks in, Niam almost tapped instantly. And I think that was the biggest shot. I even said out of nowhere, Kobe Porter by submission. Spoke to Kobe after the fight, spoke to Adrian Pang. He was very happy with his performance. Him and the team at Integrated MMA, they know exactly what Kobe's capable of. And when you look at his record going into this fight, one win, two defeats, it doesn't reflect how good he is, according to Adrian. And I have to agree. That that win over Niam Steven to date is obviously the biggest win of his career, but more so to that. Um, Kobe found out who exactly who he was in that fight because that was a dog fight. We know how good Niam is. We saw him against Jimmy O'Brien. That guy just loves to be in dog fights. He loves it when his face is covered in blood, both guys are hurting, and it comes down to who wants it more. That's exactly what you saw um, on Saturday night between those two guys. Um, Kobe Porter just edging Niam in the third round. I, I can't say any more than that. I'm looking forward to seeing what's next for, um, for Kobe. And like even with Niam Stevens, it it, it just sucks because he, now he walks around as three and three, but the three losses: Kobe Porter, uh, Quillen Sauka, who's fighting for a belt, uh, yeah. a lightweight belt, and Tom Nolan, who just got signed to the UFC. Oh, exactly, sorry, allegedly, but I'm not supposed to. I'm not supposed to announce it. <laughs> Do not edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. We're going raw, baby. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like what. As a fighter like that, obviously still so young. I think he's was he twenty four, twenty five. He's still quite young. Yeah. Um. And you, but you're three and three, so it's like you can't let it, you can't let it bother you, you can't let it derail you. No, no, absolutely not. And that's where you have to look at Niam and go. He hasn't said no to a fight. He fought Tom Nolan, and as you said, Quillen Sol killed, and now Colby Porter. They're they're the only three losses on on his record, and they're to quite possibly. I mean, you look at Quillen Sol killed, number one contender. Tom Nolan allegedly uh, going overseas to fight somewhere else. And now Kobe Porter, who many have said is the you know ne- next up-and-comer uh, in, in Queensland anyway. So 
Now, Stephen, Ben Vickers said this. He is a fighter's fighter. You see that inside the cage and outside the cage. He's never said no to a fight. So, look, three and three, it's an even record. But when you look at the guys that he's fought, you, you can't take anything away from that guy. I tell you what, it, I'm looking forward. And again, the same thing with Deadshot. Feel sorry for the guy he has to fight next. Is uh, is there anyone you want to see Kobe Porter in there in there with? Well, who's at the top? Refresh my memory in that lightweight division. So we've got like, so this is the thing as well as coming into the fight, he was ranked number 52, which obviously like when you've got that record, mm. it just, it, it's hard. And that's always a, a hard sort of um, a hard battle. But if we're looking at like your, your 25s and up, like Quillen Southfield right now is, is ranked 21. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, mm. that's a, that's a tricky one in itself. You got your Tim Schultz uh, at yep. 18 uh, you've got Abel Bright's 15, Dan Hill, yeah. who's been boxing now, 12, Dimps Gillies, Aiden Aguera, yeah. eight. Like we, now yeah. we, you're starting to get into the, into the top 10. You're Tom Nolan, who's number four, Becker yeah. two, uh, and they've actually got Josh Togo as number one. Um, okay. Ironically. Um, and then of course, Blake Donnelly, all that, like that, that's your, that's, your, is that too early for guys like that? Possibly. I mean, if you look at the guys that are fighting for the eternal belt now and that are ranked quite high, I'm surprised Quillen Sol Kilds down that low. I mean, he's only fighting for a title this uh, next but month. But I did, I did actually quiz Quillen on this as well. I do believe Quillen, although we know he's that good, yeah, he, he hasn't. I don't want to say earned it. That sounds disrespectful. But like, it, it's. I feel like he skipped a few runs of of, yeah. of, of getting over the top. Um, so that belt deserves it. But mm. that's probably why I think he's ranked so low. Mm-hmm. Well, look, as far as Niam's concerned, how about you throw a spanner in the works and bring Kamikaze back up from featherweight to lightweight? Ooh. What do you reckon? I do, yeah? I, I do how like, good would that be on the Gold Coast? I do feel like, and I don't, I don't, I don't know him. I've never spoken to him as, uh, at all, but he obviously went on, on, on a tear, real Bill Goldberg-type tear until he had to take on uh, Adela Biata where he ran into... Uh, brick wall and unfortunately um had a probably real fork stalk in the road sort of moment of his mma career you know him a little bit better is is the career still on the forefront i would i absolutely think so i mean i i've been on the uh the 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 kamikaze train since um since day one and when you get a guy that's that exciting and with much star as much star power as he has i mean i don't know if you've ever been inside the southport sharks the goal of the um the Gold Coast Sports Precinct out at Carrara. But I dare say every single person in that building, with the exception of the opponent that he's fighting, is rooting for Josh Kuhn when he is when he is matched up on Eternal. He, he can get the entire city of the Gold Coast to the venue and to watch on UFC Fight Pass. I'm just thinking, if you look at those guys, I mean, their records are the same. Skill-wise, skill there, there will be questions to be asked for both men. But when you're talking about guys that love being in dog, dog fights, Look no further than Josh Kuhn and Neam Stephen. Um, so, to, to me, that that is a, that is a fight that I would love to see. Whether whether they want it, it's totally up to them. But um, but but I think at this stage in their career, if if Kamikaze wants to come back up to lightweight and get back in the whether it's the title pitcher or or fighting guys in those in those top ranks, Neam Stephen would be a great opponent. And uh, and moving on to Harry Webb, one of the the most exciting fighters and one of the 
most highly touted debuts in quite some time, taking on yep. Ollie Schmidt. Uh, what were your thoughts on on that? Obviously, very tough having two debutants taking on each other. For me personally, this this was fight of the night. And people might say, well, there were so many other better fights on the night. I agree that. But from a technical standpoint, and this is coming from my combat sports background of only two corporate boxing fights, right? So <laughs> I'm pretty qualified to comment on this, right? <laughs> I think technically. Sorry, I, I need to drop my, my resume as well. Um, I was signed to fight in the main event of the Wimp to Warrior and re-announce the card. So yes. I was going to ring it out to the entire... Ben Vickers knocked it back because he goes, what if he gets knocked out? And Steve Kennedy, my coach, was like, well, ben, <laughs> like we live with that. <laughs> so I wish you did that. <laughs> but he knocked it back. Well, th- th- this is the one thing the fans have to appreciate. The, fight- the fighters can say what they want about us, but the fans <laughs> have to appreciate we have a wealth of experience, mate. We do. You we, do. Don't, we do. Don't be getting on social media. You don't, you don't want us. Don't come at us, mate. Don't come at us. Not that we ever would. <laughs> but go- <laughs> sorry, mate. We're having too much fun here. Um, going back to the fight, I-, I thought for two guys on debut, you you really couldn't tell. And when you look at Harry Webb, seven and zero as an amateur, undefeated, um, he he has all the tools in the making. To, to be a star in this sport, like, like we've seen many guys go on and do. Um, to be honest, I like Ben, I, I had no idea who Harry was until it was one of my friends, Jason Walker, who actually trains out of, and trains and coaches out of Infinite MMA, told me. He messaged me on Instagram. He goes, well, you finally now get to commentate an Infinite boy. And I'm like, wait, who is it? And he goes, oh, Harry Webb. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 can't wait. Had no idea who he was. I was riding high on Ollie Schmidt, as we do with all the city kickboxing guys, um, just because of the environment they come out of and the skills that they learn under, man, Eugene Berryman. I mean, how good is that guy? So when you saw these guys go toe-to-toe, round one and two was fairly even. Um, but Harry Webb just took over in, in round three. And I want to give credit to Ollie because he didn't tap. He went out on his shield. And um, that guy has a big career ahead of him. But Harry Webb, from what we saw from him, he does have a have a fantastic future. And for me personally, from a technical standpoint, fight of the night. Yeah, I, I really do like his, uh, his preparation in his entire career. He spent four years in the amateurs. Now, I'm normally a bit like I love Wayne Carlin and Demolition. I'm normally not the biggest fan of the fighters promoting their belts as much. Like, I love that they get them. It's amazing. But some of them, you kind of go, oh, that guy, well, he must be ready for the UFC. And you check and he's like six and one as an amateur or something. It's like no knock to it, obviously. But like it, I think sometimes they get into that that cognitive dissonance or whatever it's called, mm. where it's like they kind of think, no, I'm, I'm, I'm legit. And then they have to sort of step out. But Harry Webb really, I feel like he's put demolition on his back mm. and then goes pro in another promotion at Eternal and I think he skyrocketed himself into top 15, top 10 already. Yeah, I, I think so. I think there's still a bit more he has to do. Like there's a bit of heavy lifting he'll have to do um, to start fighting, obviously, those 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 top 10 guys or, or, or top five. But um, yeah, I, I do agree with your point. Sometimes, you, you know, you get guys that, that win an amateur belt at, at the amateur level and they're walking around as if they've just uh, won the UFC championship. I didn't get that energy from Harry Webb. Um, he was very confident in his skills. And I think that regardless if he's won, I think it's one or was he a champ champ as an amateur? 
He was a champ. I believe he was a champ, champ, champ. Champ, champ, champ. He had three belts. He had three belts as an amateur. Look, which which is a massive achievement. It's it's three more belts than I'll ever have as an amateur mixed martial artist. So you know you've got to give credit to him there. But to be able to uh, bring that experience as a professional and perform against a guy like Ollie Schmidt. Remember, Ollie Schmidt had fifteen amateur fights. Right, he was ten and five as an amateur. So he's fighting someone who's twice as experienced as him. So when you look at the skill level and it matches the confidence that he brings, not just inside but outside the cage as well, that's when you've got a real problem on your hands because Harry Webb did exactly that. And I think that if his skills matches the confidence that he has, unlike we've seen guys go on a tear as an amateur then get to the pro levels and get found out, you, you've, got, you've got a big star on your hands. You've got a real fighter on your hands in Harry Webb. And, and he proved that on Saturday night and I was highly impressed. And talking to Harry Webb, I think he's he's really kind of got his mind made up about the the Taser Malone fight. I think he just thinks that makes sense. I'm not calling anyone out by any means, but I think Eternals tried to match it before. So I think we could potentially see Harry Webb and Taser Malone in the near future. That makes sense. That that makes total sense. And you look at Taser's amateur background, I think he was six and four, ten amateur fights. Now he's one and oh as a pro. Um, I, I think that fight does make sense, just considering those guys with their experience um, as a professional. So it, it wouldn't really make sense for Harry to, to, to step up and fight, you know, like a like a like an Aguilera or, or even like in the arm, Stephen. You know, fight fight someone that's that that's that's at that's at your level, um, not necessarily skill wise, but just on paper. And uh, here's a. An interesting point that I feel like has come up a lot lately. He's fighting out of Ballarat, right? Infinite mm. MMA. Now, you got Mildura, Jesse Medina. You got, I, I use Jamie Malarkey as an example. I mean, the Central Coast isn't a, like, it's not, a, it's not a country town, but it's definitely not a capital city. And he made it to the UFC by, by uh, having his entire career out of the Central Coast. Jesse Medina's put together a 30 fight career out of Mildura. Can you make it to the top coming out of these country towns? I think you said it best yourself, the hooligan, right? I mean, he he made it all the way to the top and he's, he's he, no doubt he's done work elsewhere. But I mean, when you, <laughs> I know this from playing footy, th- those country boys, they, they <laughs> are just so tough, right? I would rather play against uh, Tonga or Samoa than, um, you know, the kids from Dolby or Roma up here in Queensland. Like, you always know you got it tough. But I think, I think those guys are just, they're tough and they're fighters at heart. Um, I think that there does get to a certain point where you have to uh, improve your skills um, with other guys that are going to elevate you. So if, if you're in a country town or if you're, if you're in a small town or a small neighborhood and you've got guys around you that can elevate you, that can build you up and, and help you to be better, then fine. Don't, don't leave home. And this is coming from a fans, fan standpoint or a manager commentator standpoint, not as a fighter, but from what I've seen. Um, I've seen guys get to a certain point in their own gym to the point where they have to go to Thailand or they have to go somewhere else where they're going to get um, you know, a higher level of sparring and training. But you never really forget your roots. And I know these country boys, you mentioned Bill Jury, you mentioned Infinite MMA, you mentioned guys like Jamie Malarkey. They never forget where they come from. And if anything, if they do go to another gym to improve their skills, when they get to the big stage at Eternal or at the UFC, they always credit their hometowns. And, and you've seen that. So to answer your question from a skill point, uh, from a skill standpoint, I think it's good to um, either bring guys in or, or go to other gyms and, and, and experience things like that. However, if you can do it with your coaches, with your teammates right here at home, don't go anywhere.
be homegrown, as I say. <laughs> Wise words. And speaking of uh, more hometown, hometown heroes out of Mildura Martial Arts, uh, Jesse Medina, Funky Cole, greatest nickname in all of mixed martial arts, taking on Diego El Pantera Negra Pereira, who no man says it better than you. Uh, the, the main event of Eternal MMA, 75 in the Gold Coast, mate. That was a, a, a grappling onslaught. It was. It was. And if you listen to the preview, Ben actually said that. He goes, I'm hoping that I see three rounds of grappling. And he got exactly that. Um, thank goodness he was in the booth because there was one point of the night where it was myself and Blake Richardson. I even mentioned this during the commentary for the Drillich and Renoff fight, how privileged the fight fans were to have a wealth of knowledge in the commentary booth. Uh, both of us, me and Blake, white belts. Yep. Yep, <laughs> I don't I know if you heard that, that one. <laughs> I did hear that comment. <laughs> you had two white belts in the commentary booth for the first fight of the main card. Thank goodness that was a stand-up right. battle. But for this one, I couldn't do it um, without Ben. In those exchanges, uh, you just saw how, how strong Diego was, not just athletically, but also technically. And... That, that guy's been wrestling, I think, before he started walking. So it wasn't a surprise to see him um, win most of those exchanges in rounds two and three. Here's the thing. Ben, along with myself, we actually forgot what happened in round number one. I think Jesse executed something like um, three or four takedowns uh, in round number one, came out incredibly explosive. And I actually thought, well, if, well, if Diego doesn't adjust here, he's going to be in a bit of trouble. But um, he did just that, adjusted in rounds two and three. And um, going into round three, I thought it was one apiece. And you saw Diego kind of um, kind of run away with it at, at, uh, at, at the end of the fight there. So to me, the outcome wasn't, wasn't surprising. I actually picked Diego to win the fight going into it. But uh, look, this isn't the end of Jesse Medina. I mean, with a guy who has as much experience as he has, um, you're definitely going to see him again. So very uh, high-level grappling uh, matchup in our main event. And uh, Diego, I sp spoke to Diego before, and he he's always said that like jujitsu takes time, and mm. he is one of the very rare fighters to admit that he would rather keep and hold a position than throw some strikes and risk giving it up, which a lot of fighters don't sort of admit to. Um, he's just a very patient and very analytical fighter, and, and I, I do love that about Diego. Yeah, yeah, me too. And uh, look, again, my uh, extensive uh, experience in grappling as a white belt um, says, <laughs> says that's true. Uh, I know with, with Diego, well, if you look at the end of the fight there, right, he, he, he was in mount and then he took the back. Um, he was not going to let that position go because he almost actually finished Jesse. But there were other instances in the fight where you thought, well, maybe he can start opening up here, maybe land some elbows, maybe land some strikes. Um he did it. He just decided to stay top heavy, um, advance his position and use his grappling against the guy who has known for high level grappling. So I think you've got to give credit to Diego there um, for being so smart, for being very savvy. And, you know, his team at Southside Training Center, uh, Paul Pasha Stoiler, you know, one of the top coaches in grappling here in Queensland. So um, it's no surprise to me as to why he decided to do that through the duration of the fight. And now for the my favorite part, which is two uneducated guys who don't promote fights or have to pay for any flights or any salaries whatsoever, we decide <laughs> what's next. <laughs> well, for, for, for both Jesse and Diego, I think they're at the point in their careers where it's all dependent on who they beat. I know, I know Diego certainly still has that uh, 
that featherweight championship belt in his sights. Now, I think we, we got a little bit excited on the night to think that, um, to say it without actually saying it, that this may have been a number one contenders oh, match. Mate, let me stop you there. Let me stop you there. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know me, what you're going to say. <laughs> let me stop you there. No one has taken a comment that I don't think was ever said and ran with it more than me. I know, right? Did uh, did Abdallah Biata slide into your DMs like he uh, was so vocal on the night? <laughs> he was everywhere oh, on the socials uh, as, during the main event. As he should be. As a guy, that I was at Kick-Ass MMA when Abdallah Biata walked in for his very first training session. Wow. And to see what he's turned into now, I think he's 7-1 and one as a professional. The guys he has beaten, he's got a very Van Heerden about him where – you, you write him off as the underdog and he comes through and dominates. Uh, he has, Beata has to be next in line. I mean, he's going to be waiting a, a little bit, unfortunately. I would like to think, going back to Diego, I would like to think that, and I said it to Diego as well, I think he takes the loser of, because I'm assuming Rod's going to want to stay at featherweight, uh, Rod Costa. I think he's going to fight the loser of that fight. And I think the winner, Abdallah, will take, the, the title fight for whoever takes the belt. Look, it, ma- it makes sense. I mean, you, you cannot fault Abdallah for, be- for being a bit vocal um, on, on Saturday night because I, I went back and well, I don't usually do this, but I actually went back and, and watched the show. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Country on? Yeah, 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 on mute. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I actually went back and watched the show because it was such a good card. But, you know, listen, listening to myself, I'm always critical. We we did kind of build up, and with like again, without saying it, we did kind of build up. Well, you know, whoever wins this fight, they could be fighting the winner of of Rod and Justin. And look, it was totally unintentional. Abdallah Biata, to me and to you as well, I certainly think is the number one contender. You can't fault what he's achieved, and especially his last victory of Alan Philpot. You, you can't question the guy that that guy has to be, um, at least at least in the in the picture in the conversation to fight for the belt next. Now, whether whether we get crazy and 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 match him and Diego up for an official number one contender spot, that makes sense as well. But I'm on board with um with your premise for the way, where Diego fights the loser of Rod and Justin. There's just so much you can do at Featherweight. But yeah, it, it'd be pretty hard for me to see Abdallah fighting anyone um, but whoever holds that belt next. I uh, The most impressive thing with Abdallah is that he's not a submission guy. And he has yes. finished uh, Kamikaze Kirin with a standing guillotine and Alan Philpole with an arm triangle, which is just <laughs> to show that he's he's able to do that is I can't wait to see him get in the cage. And I'm going to throw another non-eternal fight at you so you can you can duck out now and you can tell Cam you said blah, 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 blah the whole way through. <laughs> but uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Diego Pereira. And I know that uh, Khan Offley is a little bit further ahead yeah. in terms, but I, I really like that matchup. Two amazing grapplers. They're both a similar build. Mm. And, and I would like to see Khan put a few more scalps just on his on his record before before really talking UFC and all that sort of stuff. So I know that fight's very hard to to make, but just as like a fan, I, I feel like that one, I'd love to see that. Yeah, definitely. And I think if you look at Khan's performance against uh, Jarrett Wilbraham, that was a great fight, by the way. I I did watch that fight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was fantastic. Did you pay? Did you pay? 
Uh, I <laughs> I did not pay for it. <laughs> I, I I actually watched it with um with 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 one of the boys. One of one of his uh one of one of his mates was was fighting on the card, so I watched it um with one of my teammates. Hey, but that's, that's fair. Cam will allow that. I, I I certainly hope so. You might not ever see me again in the booth, but you, I certainly hope so. But no, I, I did watch that fight, and I think that um. You know, Karen has a bit of history with Eternal. You know, he's fought there before. He was matched. Uh, I think he was set to match um, match up with Justin. And there's, you know, there's, there's always a bit of beef between uh, Khan and 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 Rod and the Springboks. So, look, if they were to bring him over to Eternal, because I think Diego signed exclusively with Eternal, that's a matchup that I would totally love to be cage side for. Um, I'm not too sure what Khan's deal is with with Hex or, or what his plans are to go into the UFC, but uh, skill-wise, technically, that, that's that's a fight that, that I think all the fight fans would want to see. So, uh, I mean, I'm not even going to ask you to, to out of 10 the cards because you have called it your top three card. But, like, yes. I mean, overall, for, for, for newbies listening, what, yeah. what do you rank that card? Man, from prelims to main card to the main event, you've got to give it a strong eight and a half. <laughs> eight and a half that's a, that's that's good that's good. you will yep. get in trouble for not saying 10 uh yep, before I I, before I, <laughs> before i let you go uh we've got june 10th eternal 76 i believe is the number uh justin van heerden defending the eternal featherweight belt against the bantamweight champion uh rod costa and we've also got the lightweight championship blake donnelly uh taking on quill and Southkill. can i get your predictions of uh results and perhaps how the fights are going to go i always love a rematch and i'm sure you always love a rematch just as much as just as much as i do especially when um the rematch itself wasn't a close one you know rod finished justin quite convincingly in their first fight um, in Perth a while ago, standing the birth of kickboxer Costa, as Ben Vickers <laughs> likes to phrase it. Um, look, Rod has gone from strength to strength in in each of his fights. I think he's since that fight, he's only has he lost any since that he fought Jack after that fight, didn't? Because he? he fought Justin yeah, Diego, yeah, yeah. then went on to lose to Jack. Yeah. yeah. So since fighting Jack, um, well, since fighting Justin, beat Diego, lost to Jack, and then come back. Um, and, and, and he's on a bit of a tear at the moment, obviously winning a belt over uh, uh, Sean Etchell and um, looking to make history and, at and just, 76. I, I stand by, I, I think he beat Khan Offley. Like, and I, I've said this to, to Khan mm. as well. I think Rod won that fight. So since he has come back from his 0-2 start against the Dan Jones <laughs> back in 1983, when yes. he's come back, he is on an absolute tear, man. You, you could arguably give him like eight and one or, or whatever. He's so active. He's so ready. Um, I can't wait to see what he does. And Justin, call him an underdog one more time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you saw how well Justin bounced back and the improvements that he made between the first time he fought Diego and the rematch. So this, this fight is, this fight is going to be, this fight is going to be totally, I think it'll be a, a totally different to the first, whether the outcome's different and Rod manages to get a finish or a submission or even grind out a decision victory. I don't know. But I certainly think you're going to see a new and improved uh, Lockjaw Justin Van Heerden. And um, look, we've seen him grind out a win before. I won't give you a prediction for that one because I love both of those guys. However, I think you could be looking at, um, at, at fight of the night potential, again, from a technical standpoint. And uh, just to round out, the, the Southkill-Blake Donnelly fight, that's a, that's a tough task for Quillen. It is. 
It is, and and I think you know just just to make just to to make a bold prediction on this one, I think the the Blake Donnelly that you saw against Dave Martinez was one of the best Blake Donnellys I've ever seen. And my introduction to Blake Donnelly was um, him coming in undefeated four and zero as a professional and getting smoked by Dim Skillies in round number one. We know how good Dimps is. That was my introduction to Blake Donnelly. I have a totally different opinion of Blake today, and especially his performance against John Bruin, um, his return to Eternal. He, he ground out a tough, tough decision victory over John Bruin. And to go out there and, and, and keep Dave on the stool to the point where he didn't want to come out, I never saw it coming. So obviously I'm going to go with Blake on this one. But hey, everyone loves an underdog and no one would love more to upset the crowd in Perth. Well, it's his hometown, so it won't be upsetting them. But to upset the champ in Perth, then Quill and Soul killed. So that's a matchup that, um, that I'm looking forward to. And hopefully, hopefully I'm there for that one. <laughs> and, uh, mate, before I let you go, you know what? Ask everyone else this question. So I may as well ask you, mate. After Please. it's all said and done, how does Tanera Navin want to be remembered in mixed martial arts? Well, firstly, that is an absolute privilege to be asked that question because you've asked all the fighters. And that's the one thing I remember about your podcast is how <laughs> they want to be remembered. Look, in, in all honesty, how I want to be remembered, nice guy. Nice guy, loved life, and more so loves this sport. It was something that um, that I was so shocked at how many people actually love this sport. See, I come from boxing. I come from rugby. I've had no MMA fights, but I absolutely love this sport. And I think if it's anyone from this sport, if, if it's how they want to remember me, nice guy, loves life, and absolutely loves this sport. And I hope that I can get that across the line. In the booth. I know my place in this sport. It is cage side. I absolutely love it. And if it's anyone, if it's anything that anyone can remember about me, is that I absolutely have the utmost respect for both the fighters, promoters, yourself, and everyone in this sport because I love it. Awesome, mate. Uh, look, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to talk uh, fights with anyone else except maybe Callum Potter, because he'll be mad at me <laughs> for doing this with you anyway. But, but, you know, I love that guy too. We'll have to do a triple threat next time. Let's do it. <laughs> look, mate. <laughs> Best of luck. I love your work. Uh, keep hustling. And uh, I love that we can be in the same job. We can be in different promotions. And at the end of the day, we all still bond with our love of this sport. So I absolutely love it. Me too, brother. It's it's a it's a rare thing. You know how this industry works. Eh? It can get a little bit... Uh, you don't want to stand on too many, people, too many people's toes, but you can't help it at times. Yeah. Brother, love your work, and I'm so grateful for you having me on. Let's do it again soon. Thank you so much. Cam, if you're listening, I still love you. <laughs> <laughs> See you, mate.